Thank you. Thank you, Laura. That was beautiful. Just beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. Glad that you're here. Open your Bibles, uh, if you would, to uh, Isaiah chapter 9. I'm kind of ringing, so uh, let's see if we work on that a little bit. Um, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7 again, and this is the second in a two-part series. By the way, uh, I'm glad the Lord Jesus was born into this world, aren't you? And uh, beautiful song, thank you so much. And that congregational song, of course, his name is wonderful, and that's exactly what our text says uh, here today, that his name shall be called Wonderful. Well, let's read the two verses again. Look at verse 6. By the way, before we read that, you notice everything looks different up here, of course. And uh, it's, a, it's a courtroom. And at 4 o'clock today, we're going to have our play, Christmas play, put on by children and youth. You do not want to miss it. It'll, it's fun, it's funny, and it is, it, you're, you're going to have a great time. So 4 o'clock, be sure and come back. Dr. Miller will talk about that too in the announcements. Look at verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government in peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You remember this was written about 730 plus years before Jesus came. This is prophecy. This is telling he's going to come. And it's telling us a little bit about what he's going to be like with these names. So this year we're looking at the persons of Christmas. If you look at your screen just quickly there, let me remind you if you break it down. His birth, that is, a child is born. That's his birth. And then a son is given. That's his death. And then his reign. The government will be upon his shoulder. That's his reign. And he's going to reign, of course, in the millennial kingdom and all through eternity. But he wants to reign right now in my life and in your life. And he will carry your burdens on his shoulder if you'll let him take the reign of your life. And then the last one is, is this, his name. So we're looking at his person. His name shall be called Wonderful and etc. And so we're thinking about him in that sense. Remind you one more time of this word wonderful. Define it with a shorter definition. Wonderful, miraculous, marvelous, unusual, extraordinary, astounding, astonishing, remarkable, amazing, significant, and extreme. That's our Jesus, isn't it? That's our Jesus. He's wonderful. And uh, he truly is. He's miraculous. He's ast astonishing. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for our time together. Make it profitable for us today. Speak to us. Teach us. Encourage us. Remind us so that we can truly celebrate Christmas, not just go through the motions. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 
Think with me again, as I asked you to do last week, with your sanctified imagination. And see a man leaving his house early in the morning to go to work. He's not too happy to go to work. He doesn't love his work. He didn't really choose his work. But it's all he has. And he's going to work. And he goes out and sits by a road and begs for money. He's blind. And he lived in a time when a blind person couldn't get a job. All they could do was beg and ask for help. And people passing by, some would give some help, and that's how he made his living to take care of his family. Maybe he had a wife and children, we don't know. And this was a day like any other day he was sitting there, but then he hears this rustling of a big crowd coming by, and he, he kept asking, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And finally somebody says, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he begins to cry out, Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. So some of the really good religious folk went over to him and said, Be quiet. You're, you'll bother the master. Don't bother Jesus. <laughs> but the Bible said he cried out all the more. He just got louder crying out, Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And when Jesus stopped, the crowd stops. And Jesus said, bring him to me. And they said to him, the master calls for you. And he took his. He took his old beggar's robe and threw it off stood before Jesus and Jesus said what would you have me to do for you and he said I want to receive my sight and Jesus simply said the words receive your sight and immediately he could see can you imagine that and then the Bible said he followed Jesus glorifying God now again we're using our sanctified imagination here how do you think he glorified God do you think he was walking along saying well, this has been an exceptional day. When I woke up this morning, I was blind, but now I can see. This is, this is a really good day. No, I, I picture him with uncontrollable tears, raising his hands and praising God and thanking Jesus. Now, imagine with me, continue to imagine with me that He's heading home now to tell his wife and children. Everything he passes is wonderful. He looks at the, the face of a child and says, Oh, wow, that's wonderful. Maybe it never, he might have been blind his whole life, we're not told. He sees the face of a child. He sees the face of an old man. He sees the, the sky, the blue sky and the clouds. He sees the Mount of Olives. He looks over to the side, sees the Mount of Olives and says, oh, that's what that looks like. And everything he sees, he says, oh, that's wonderful, that's wonderful. He goes home and tells his wife and children, they hug him and they cry too and everybody's rejoicing. And that night, everybody goes to bed but he can't sleep, he's too excited. 
he looks at his wife in the bed and his children in the bed and he thanks the Lord and goes out into the night and looks up at the stars and the moon and everything is wonderful. And I picture in the midst of that, as he says, everything is wonderful, he says to the Lord Jesus in his heart and in his soul, not only do you do wonderful things, but you are wonderful. Isaiah said, his name shall be called Wonderful. <laughs> they called him Wonderful. Well, we looked at that last week. And then we looked at the word Counselor and then the Mighty God. This morning we're going to look at the phrase, the Everlasting Father. Now this can be a little confusing. Because Jesus is God the Son. He's not God the Father. But he's called here the everlasting Father. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit make up, of course, the Trinity. The God of the Bible. Three separate persons, but one God. And that's the great mystery of God. But here, Jesus is called Everlasting Father. Look at the definition of it. If you look back at your screen for a moment, Everlasting Father. Everlasting means eternal, world without end, his eternal existence. Father is the primary word in the, in the Hebrew for father. Uh, means the head of a household or an ancestor or an originator. It can mean a literal father or a figurative father. Everlasting Father. Could be translated Father of Eternity, or it could be translated Originator of Eternity. In what way is Jesus the Everlasting Father? Look at this scripture in Hebrews chapter 2. It's, uh, I use the New King James because you can see the uh, pronouns are capitalized when it's appropriate to do so. This is the writer of Hebrews quoting from the Old Testament in the words of God the Son. He says, I will declare your name to my brethren. So God the Son is saying to God the Father, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly will I sing praise to you. Uh-oh, wrong button. And then it says, and again, this is a quote again from the Old Testament, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God hath given me. Jesus speaking. Jesus says, here I am and I have these children that God hath given me. In the sense that Jesus is a good shepherd and takes good care of his sheep, in a similar sense, he's a good father and takes good care of his children. So we're the children of the Heavenly Father, absolutely. And we're also the children of the everlasting Father, that is, the Son of God. So Isaiah says his name shall be called the everlasting Father. Remember last week I read you a couple of true incidents regarding the birthday offering for Christ that we do every year. 
Here's a couple more. This lady is on disability. She has two, um, two children and a grandchild that she takes care of. Uh, two children, both of them grandchildren, I'm sorry. And she has such bad health she can barely get around. And so when one of the ladies from our church knocked at her door, she could barely make it to the door. And when she opened the door, the lady told her about the gift that the church was going to give. And she began to cry and to thank the Lord and to thank this person. And then she told the story. She was on disability, of, of course, and the lady knew that, but she had to renew her dis disability. And she had called and canceled renewing her disability three times because she didn't have any gas to go uh, to the department there downtown where you renew your disability. And so now she started to cry and say, I can put gas in my car and my grandchildren can eat. God supplies. By the way, when you give to this birthday offering for Christ, that money goes to help people like this. And we don't just help people like this. Sometimes we help people who have a particular big need that came up, like, um, like a medical bill or, uh, or something like that. Here's another one. This lady had three jobs. She works at Subway, cleaning houses, and she sits with the elderly at night. And a lot of times she'll stay all up all night with the elderly and then go into work at Subway early in the morning. She was raising two teenagers, and one of them was not her own. And, but she took the financial responsibility to take care of this uh, additional teenager. She kept saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, the gifts, as I said last week, it's not just to meet a need, as important as that is, but it's also to let people see how wonderful Jesus is. So we'll call his name wonderful. But in this, right now we're thinking about he's the everlasting father. He's the one who takes care of his own like a shepherd. And then another one. When she received her gift, began to cry and say, The Lord provides. She just kept repeating it. The Lord provides. The Lord provides. That's it. The Lord provides, doesn't he? Like a loving father. Like a forever father. Like an everlasting father. He meets the needs of his people. How good he is to us. His name shall be called the Everlasting Father. And then, this last one is, His name shall be called the Prince of Peace. What a beautiful name that is, the Prince of Peace. The word prince there in the Hebrew means the head person or the captain, the chief, the master, the ruler, the keeper, the prince, the Lord. The word peace means a harmonious relationship with happy well-being peace of soul rest tranquility of heart or soul so Jesus is the prince he's the captain 
He's the head person when it comes to peace. <laughs> He's the uh, master, the keeper, the ruler, the Lord of peace. He's called in the New Testament Lord of Peace in 2 Thessalonians, the God of Peace in Philippians 4, and the Prince of Peace he's called here in our text. Peace. We talk a lot about peace during Christmas, but not a lot of people have peace during Christmas. Christmas can become very stressful. and People have high anxiety and they have no peace. They lose the peace they have. Now, in the New Testament, they're really, the idea of peace is explained to us in two different ways. There is the peace with God, which is a harmonious relationship with God. And then there's the peace of God, which is tranquility of heart or soul that's coming from God. So let's think about these two ways. The first one here is... Uh, the peace with God, the harmonious relationship with God. That comes through the blood of Christ. Colossians 1.20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Jesus made peace for us because you and I were at odds with God because of our sin. And Jesus made peace with us so we can come into a harmonious relationship with God the Father and God the Son through that precious blood. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Christ? Remember, though we are celebrating rightfully so, the baby in a manger. He didn't remain a baby in a manger. He went to a cross and shed his blood so that you and I could have forgiveness of sin. Stories told of a lady who was in the hospital and she had received a report that because of her sickness she was not going to live and uh, would probably not leave the hospital. And there was some couple, two ladies that knew her, didn't know her real well, but they knew her and they were visiting the hospital, visiting sick people, and they went in to visit with her and they chatted and had a nice chat. And then they asked her, have you made peace with God? She said, no. That upset those two ladies, you know. And so they said, well, you know, the doctor said you could die. She said, yes, I know. They said again, but, well, you should, you should make peace with God. And then the lady smiled. And she said, I want to quote it to you. She said, I don't need to make peace with God. I'm resting in the peace that Jesus made in his precious blood. Are you resting in that peace? Have you trusted Christ and Christ alone as your Lord and Savior? Rest in the peace he made. And you can have a harmonious relationship with God because of that precious blood. So then there is, secondly, not only peace with God, there's the peace of God, which means tranquility of heart and soul. Even people who have peace with God, even people who are saved, sometimes lose 
they're the peace of God. Or maybe they live long periods of time without it. They don't understand that they can have it. They don't understand it's part of their heritage. As a follower of Christ, that's part of your heritage, to have the peace that only God can give. This is a peace that Jesus spoke of in John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't have anxiety. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Instead, take my peace that I will give you. That's that tranquility of heart and soul. And then in 2 Thessalonians it says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. So it's not only what Jesus said, but in the epistles which are written directly to us as the church, it says the Lord of peace give you peace always by all means. Always. It means you can have peace all the time, anytime, even when things are really hard in your life, even when things are tough and your heart's breaking, your, your sorrow and pain can be mingled with God's peace at the same time. Seems almost impossible, but it's not. That's the reason Paul calls it, a, he calls that peace a peace that passes all understanding. You can't really understand it or explain it completely. But you can have it. And then he says, the Lord be with you. Of course, that's a big part, is his presence. Peace is in the presence of the Lord. Walking in communion and fellowship with him. Peace. That peace that passes all understanding. Well, look back at your screen for a moment. Here's another verse. Isaiah. This is written by the same person, human person, that wrote the prophecy we're reading here. And he speaks about peace here. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Perfect peace because our mind is focused on, attached to, our eyes are on the Lord Jesus. Charles Hatton Spurgeon used to say, if you get your eyes on the Lord Jesus and really look to him for all your needs and look to him to see how wonderful he is, if you really got your eyes on Jesus, the dove of peace will come and light on your shoulder. But then he said, as soon as you turn and look at the dove, he flies away. Peace is not to be the center of our lives. It's the Lord Jesus himself that's the center of our lives. And when our eyes are fully on him and we're trusting him, then peace is a product of that. A lot of people are wanting peace and seeking peace and praying for peace but they never find it because their emphasis is on peace instead of the Lord of peace, the one who gives the peace. And so we have this tremendous verse. And then when we put all this kind of together, you and I can have peace at a time 
even in troubled times. You know, the last two years of this have, have been tough with COVID and other problems in our nation and so forth. It's been a tough two years for many, many people. The last five weeks in particular to me, I've talked with so many people with problems. They've lost loved ones. They're going through uh, spiritual struggles or emotional struggles. Some of them, someone in their family has, has mental illness and it causes chronic problems and stress and so forth. This is a difficult time. But even in a difficult time, Remember the verse? Always. The Lord can give peace and will if we let him. And so we, we walk with him. That's that phrase, our mind is stayed on him. Jesus would call it abiding in me in John 15. Abide in me and draw from me whatever you need in fellowship and communion and taking for yourself whatever you need. Just like the, the vine supplies all the needs of the branch, so Jesus supplies all the needs of us as his branch because he, as he said he is the he's the vine we're the branches so walking with him in fellowship obeying him and then trusting him that's the second part of that Isaiah 26 because he trusteth in thee we trust what we trust in his providence and in his sovereignty the nation of Judah was going through a very difficult time when Isaiah wrote this. There was political turmoil everywhere. People had their own personal problems. But he said we can trust the one in whose hands all things rest. The sovereign one. And... Uh, we can trust his providence. He won't let anything happen to you except that which is for your good somehow. Even if you don't understand it or I don't understand it. And if he allows something to touch you, it is for your good. To make you more like Christ. So we can rest in his sovereignty. And then in order to have that peace, we need to trust. Have a trust that turns Worry over to him. Peter would say it like this, casting all your cares or worries, casting all your worries on him because he cares for you. He sees your tears. He knows your pain. Turn those, turn those worries over to him. Lay them at his feet. Psalm 22 says, cast your burdens. Throw your burdens on the Lord and he'll sustain you he'll strengthen you he'll hold you up through the difficult times so a, a trust that turns our worry over to him and then a trust that takes peace receives peace takes peace from him you know if you just had one hand and you had a black softball you know softball is about as big as you, your hand like that if you had a black softball and you had it in your one hand and somebody has a yellow softball and they're going to throw that yellow softball to you. Well, they might throw it 
And if you've only got one hand and you got that black softball in there, you can't really catch it. You might reach out and try to catch it, but it would just bounce off of that black one. And if, if this person had a hundred yellow <laughs> softballs, he might keep throwing them and you'd keep trying and they just bounce off and bounce off. You couldn't catch the yellow softball until you cast away or turn loose of the black one. Once you turn loose of the black one, then you can catch the yellow one. Well, our soul only has one hand. And as long as we're holding on to the worry, the anxiety, as long as we're holding on to all of that, the peace just kind of bounces off until we're willing to cast all of our care on the Lord. Then we can receive that yellow ball of peace. And so, peace can be ours. Remember what the angels said when they appeared to the shepherds? Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Peace on earth. Not that there's going to be world peace because there hasn't been world peace, but in the world, individuals themselves can have peace in their heart. And you can have peace in your heart. And so can I. Dr. Adrian Rogers tells a story about a friend of his named McDonald, and everybody called him Mac. And he had, Dr. Rogers had known him for many years and had witnessed to him a few times over the years. And uh, on one occasion, he ran into his friend and they sat down and began to talk and they talked a while and then, and then Adrian Rogers said to him, and I'm quoting now, he said, he said, Mac, I want you to know Jesus. And Mac kindly smiled and said, uh, I know you do. He said, but preacher, if, I, if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really need your Jesus. Now, he was a successful man. He was a wealthy man. He was well known in his community. He had houses and land. He had a, a good family, a wife who loved him. He really had anything anybody could want in this, in this world, you know. So he said, Preacher, just to be honest with you, I don't need your Jesus. Then I'm quoting again, I've got everything I need. And then Adrian Rogers said, will you, continue, will, you, will you continue to be honest and answer me honest? If I ask you something, he said, sure. So he said, do you have peace in your heart? And Mac said, preacher, I don't owe a thing. I don't owe anybody a penny. Adrian asked again. That's, he said, that's not what I'm asking. Do you have peace in your heart? And Mac's chin began to quiver. He looked down and then back up and tears were filling his eyes. And he said, Preacher, how did you know? 
How did you know that? And he said, because no one can have peace in their heart unless they have the Prince of Peace, the giver of peace, the originator of peace, the master of peace in their hearts. That day, Mac called on Christ, come into his heart. Though he had everything else, he didn't have peace. He didn't have forgiveness, of course, until then. Maybe you need to receive Christ as your Savior. Or maybe in this troubled time, you just need God's peace again. Turn loose of the worry. Take the peace that Jesus gives. Trust him, and then walk with him in fellowship. Bow with me, please. Maybe you'd say, Preacher, I'm going through a really tough time myself. If that's your request and you want me to pray for you, would you slip your hand up right now? I'm going through a really tough time. Yes, God bless you and you and you. And yes. Yes, God bless you. Preacher, I'm going through a really tough time. I don't want you to raise your hand on this, but I want you to answer the question in your heart. Do you have the peace of God? If you're saved, you've got peace with God. But do you have the peace of God? Tranquility of soul. Maybe today you need to turn loose of some worries and lay hold of the peace that only the Prince of Peace can give. Father, thank you for our time together in the Word. Thank you for your people. What a wonderful group this is right in front of me. But we're human and we have problems and burdens come and heartbreak. And I pray for those that wrote, raised their hands today and maybe others that didn't raise their hands whose hearts are hurting. I pray your comfort and strength for them. And may they learn more and more to draw that peace from you and walk with you in that peace through life. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Stand if you would please.